Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. All right. Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. I am so happy I get to be here today because when I used to lead youth group, I got to teach a Christmas message every year and I always loved it. And so I'm glad I get this Sunday to be able to do that with you guys. The Christmas story, it's a big story. There's a lot going on. So I kind of had to narrow it down and figure out what do we want to focus on? So I picked the nativity, the actual birth of Jesus. Most of us have nativity sets at home. I could have brought one out here to show you what my nativity set looks like. Could have showed you a picture up on the big screen of what a nativity looks like. But instead, I wanted you to kind of experience a little bit. So we're going to recreate the nativity scene. And so I have some friends backstage. Friends backstage, you guys want to go ahead and come on out? Unfortunately, they're not in costume. I couldn't get them to wear cow costumes and shepherd costumes. But they are holding up signs so you know who they are in the nativity story. And as they come out here, you'll see our regular characters. Jesus is going to show up in Mary and Joseph, and they're in the stable. And we got our mean old innkeeper over here who kicked them out of the inn. And we got our wise men. We never know exactly how many there were, so we got two or three up here. Some of you might have noticed the elephant back here. I'm not trying to fool you. I was going through nativity sets online and I found one that had an elephant in it. Then just with super quick research, I saw that some people believe if the wise men came from the east, they might have came from a country that rode elephants. So, hey, we got an elephant in here. All right, and everyone's up here. So the nativity, this is a big deal. Like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people involved in this and a lot of things. So... I'm going to now read the actual nativity from Luke chapter 2, and, and you'll notice that some of these people who aren't mentioned in the actual nativity story are going to leave stage. So let's jump to Luke chapter 2, and this is what it says. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, which was King David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who's now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. They hurried to the village. And then the shepherds, the shepherds hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. So you can see the actual nativity story is very small. And and actually, I forgot one verse, verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. So shepherds, yeah, bye. (laughs) Okay, so this is what, this is the nativity. This is it. Granted, you could go through this and common sense might tell you, well, they're they're in a stable, there might have been a cow, there might have been more shepherds, the shepherds might have had sheep, you know. But if we go just with what God wants us to know, this is what he wants us to know. This is the nativity. Pretty small. Thank you, nativity. Appreciate it. What was happening at the nativity? God was showing up. God was beginning to make contact with us. 
This is what he tells us, and we know God was showing up because there's a verse in Isaiah, a prophet from hundreds of years before Jesus was born. He writes this. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. So look, look for the virgin who's going to conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is not Jesus's given name. It's not on his birth certificate. No one ever calls him Emmanuel, but this is one of the names that we refer to him as. God is with us. God is making contact with us. He's, he's showing up. And John continues to tell us this same idea that God is making contact with us because in the book of John, which is in part of the New Testament, in chapter 1, verse 14, John tells us this. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what John is telling us here is the Word became human. And we know earlier in the chapter when he's talking about the Word, he says the Word in the beginning was with God and the Word was God. So we know the Word is God and Word is now becoming human. Later in the chapter, we find out that Jesus is this Word that he's talking about. So Jesus... God, the Word, the Nativity, God becomes human to make contact with us. And why does he feel like he needs to show up here at the Nativity to make contact with us? Well, it's because we've been messing things up. We haven't been living the way we're supposed to be living. We're not doing the things that God intended us for for us to do when he created this world for us to live in, and he made us. And so God is thinking, all right, it's time. I need to make some contact. And he does that. And the contact he makes with us in this small nativity scene actually creates a very big impact in our life and in the world. Does Jesus realize as he grows that he's meant to make contact with us to make impact in our lives? And yes, he knows that. We know that he knows that. But I always like reading it in scripture so that I know for sure and I can be firm in understanding what's happening and what people are thinking. So does Jesus know what he's doing? Yes, because I'm about to read you something out of Luke chapter four. This is what's happening. Jesus shows up in his hometown and he goes to church. He goes to temple. And in those days, similarly to like what Mike does, Mike will jump into a book and then he'll start at chapter one and then he'll go to the end. So that's what they did in Jesus's day with the Old Testament scriptures is they would just read through straight the whole thing and they'd read certain portions on certain days. And when they end with one, they start right back up with the next paragraph, the next sentence. So Jesus just happens to show up by coincidence. We know it's not coincidence. He shows up on the day that a certain scripture has been picked to be read for that day. And this is what happens. Let me read you the scene from Luke chapter four. verses 16 through 19 says this, when he, Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, which was his boy, which was his boyhood home. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where he was written. 
And this is what it said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then it was awesome because a couple of verses later, Jesus says, this is me. I'm here to fulfill this scripture. It's been fulfilled today. I'm the one that God has sent to make contact with you, to impact you and to make all these things happen. I'm the one. So Jesus squarely knew that he was here to make contact, to give impact into our lives. And what was interesting, remember, everyone who's hearing Jesus read this is thinking, "Uh, Jesus, I'm not sure you're understanding this correctly. This was written by Isaiah about the Messiah. And we know who you are. You're Mary's son. You're Joseph's son. You're the son of a carpenter. That's who you are. You're nothing more. And Jesus is saying, oh, I'm a whole lot more than Mary and Joseph's son, the son of a carpenter. I'm, I'm more than that story you used to read about Daniel being saved in the lion's den. I'm more than that. That guy Jonah who got swallowed up by a fish and lived three days and got spit out on a beach. I'm, I'm more than that. The 10 plagues that wiped out Egypt that allowed millions of Jewish people to be set free. I'm, I'm more than all of that. Jesus is more. Jesus and God are making contact with us so that they can make a huge impact in this world and in our lives. It was kind of fun because as I was reading this passage and, and the different passages that are lining up today, I came across this guy who did a little bit of research on one of the words that shows up. And this is kind of interesting. So he's going back to the word became that was in John 1.14 where it says the word became human. And, and he says this, this is kind of cool. So if, if we jump back to the Old Testament for just a moment there's a time when Moses is talking to God and Moses says, hey, God, like, what's your name? What do I call you? What am I supposed to tell people? Who are you? And God says, some of us know his, this answer. God says, my name is I am. So just use I am when you're referring to me. That's what God says to Moses. Now, those of you that are English majors know this, but for those of you that aren't, this is kind of cool. The word, the phrase I am is actually the present tense active form of the verb to be. The word be. So I am is the same as the word be. God is I am. Jesus is God, so that makes Jesus I am. I am is be, so Jesus is be. So this word became says to us, God came, Jesus came, he came, became, because we can never get ourselves back to God on our own. Became, because God wanted us to know that we are valuable to him and that he loves us and wants us to be a part of his family. Became, to give us life, abundant life, real life, became 
to help us join into God's story and to be adopted into God's family. The Word, who is Jesus, who is B, came, human, to have contact with us, to have an impact on our lives. What kind of impact did Jesus want to have on our lives? At one point, Jesus is talking with one of his disciples, and he says to his disciple, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So Jesus is talking about relationship with his dad, reconciliation, and Jesus is saying, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And sometimes when I used to hear Jesus say that, it would kind of get confusing to me because when I think of those words, I don't think of a person. Like when I think of the way, I think of like a map, like it's going to give you direction. When I think of the word truth, I think of a fact that you read in a book or that, you know, someone tells you that, 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 that's true. When I think of life, I mean, I just think of we have life and animals are alive and plants are alive and everything's alive. So how can someone just be like life? So it's always kind of confused me. So I've had to kind of narrow it down, these ideas to help me understand it better. But I think this might be what Jesus is kind of talking about when he says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. I think when Jesus says he's the truth, what he's saying is, I speak truth. I will tell you the truth. I will tell you what's right, and I'll tell you what's wrong. I'll tell you what's good, and I'll tell you what's bad. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you the truth. Jesus will tell us the truth and the whole truth. He'll tell us the bad news. He'll tell us, hey, it's true that we've messed up. You've separated yourselves from God because you keep doing things your own way. And there's nothing you can do to fix it. God gave you a bunch of commands to follow and you break all those. God wants you to live perfect so you can be in alignment with him and you can be in his presence, but you don't live perfectly. We've ruined it. It's, and there's nothing we can do about it. And that's some pretty bad news. And Jesus says, that's the truth. That's the way it is. But what's awesome is Jesus also, some of us know, has good news. And Jesus says, the truth also is, though, that you don't have to live a perfect life. I'm here to do that for you. So you don't have to live a perfect life. You can take my perfect life and count it as yours. The truth is you're supposed to be punished when you break God's laws and, and you miss the mark and you sin and you live selfishly. But the good news is I'll take that punishment for you. And you don't need to understand how it all works. All you have to do is believe that my perfect life counts for you. My punishment, I was punished for you. And all you have to do is say to God, thank you. Ask for forgiveness. Let him know you're really thankful and listen to what I have to tell you. And that gets into the idea of when Jesus says he's life. I think what he's saying is, <clears throat> watch my life. You want to know how to live life? You want to know what real life is? When God was thinking about how he wanted people to live on earth, you want to know what his plan was? Watch me. Watch my life. I'll show you how to interact with family, how to interact with friends, how to have relationships with your enemies. If you want a full, real life with purpose, watch my life and I'll show you what that's like. And it doesn't mean it's trouble-free, but at least it's a life where God is with us and living it with us. And when Jesus says he's the way, I think he's saying, listen to my truth, watch my life, and, and I'll show you how to reconnect with God and how to be in his family again and how to have a relationship with him.
And that's the impact that Jesus makes on our lives and the lives of everybody that's lived before us and everybody that's going to live after us. So I think that's what the nativity is saying. God is making contact with us in that small nativity scene so that Jesus and God can make a big impact in the world. Now, sometimes we read a Bible story and we see what happens in that Bible story and we think, oh, what happens there is supposed to happen to me too. So is this idea that we are supposed to make contact with people to have an impact on them, is that true? Does that apply to our lives? Or is that just what the nativity story is telling us about Jesus and God? I think yes. I think yes, we are supposed to have contact with people so that we can have an impact on them. One of the things that reminds me of this idea is my favorite movie, and it's appropriate this time of the year because my favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. It's an old movie. It's in black and white. I think it was made in the 40s. Probably half of you haven't seen it. Basically what it is is the story about this guy named George Bailey. He thinks his life hasn't amounted to anything. He thinks people would be better off if he was dead. He thinks life, this his town would be better if he just never lived. And God shows up and sends one of his angels to show George, no, your life really does mean a lot. The contact you had with the people in the town you grew up in had an impact on them. And George got to see that. And I love this movie because it reminds me of this idea that God wants to have contact with us. Because at the beginning of the movie, you hear the angels and God talking and they're saying, hey, everyone's praying about this guy named George. What should we do? And the angel gets this assignment to go down and make contact with George. And sometimes I like watching truth in movies because it just shows me how it might play out. So it's not just words on a page. And so seeing this angel come down and make contact with George and have an impact on George is, oh man, it reminds me that God does that with me and wants to do that for me. And the idea in this movie that George is having an impact on the people in his lives, the people that he has contact with, reminds me of God's plan. That he made contact with us to impact our lives and now it's up to us to make contact with others and to impact their lives. I think... I think that's God's plan, and I love how that shows up in that movie. And I think that's real. I think that's truth that I'm seeing in that movie because there's scripture that talks about this idea that we're supposed to make contact, to have an impact for him. Some of the scriptures that popped to my mind when I was thinking about this idea, because I never want to read scripture and just think, oh, I know what it means. It's like, no, let's make sure I know what it means by referring back to some scripture. So I found a passage in Matthew 5. It's verses 14 through 16. It says this, Matthew is writing and he says, you, and he's talking about Christians, people following Jesus, you are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Duh. Instead, I added that duh. Um, Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in that same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father and know how awesome he is. 
So it's this idea that part of our calling is to do things in such a way that people see what we're doing. So if we're called to take care of each other, then that means we have to have contact with each other. We have to be taking care of each other. And when we're doing that, other people are seeing us and realizing how awesome God is. So we're not bragging when we talk about the things we do for God and we do those things and we let people see us doing those things. That's okay because God is saying, I want to impact other people so they know how awesome I am when they see you doing those things. So we can only do those things if we're making contact with the people around us and we're helping those who are in our sphere or in our circle of life. The idea that we're representing God is totally a biblical idea because then this other verse popped into my mind, 2 Corinthians 5.20, and it says this, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And I love this idea of being an ambassador because an ambassador is someone who lives in one country and then their job is to go into another country and to teach those people to make contact with them and to teach them about their home country and to make an impact in their lives. And that's exactly what we're doing as Christians because our home is actually heaven, but we're living in this foreign land called earth. And while we're down here, we're supposed to be contacting people, representing God on his behalf, speaking for him helping make an impact on people's lives because we're in contact with them. Just like an ambassador goes to make contact with other people, we're God's ambassadors. So we're called to go and to make contact with other people. And then there's what Jesus says. It's the last thing he says before he takes off up into heaven. He's with a few of his followers. He starts floating up into the sky, which would be like amazing if that happened. And then he's floating up. And as he's floating up, he's telling them, last thing, don't forget. Verses 19 through 20 in Matthew 28 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we're supposed to go and make disciples. We can't teach people if we're not in contact with them. So we need to be in contact with them to be able to have an impact in their life. We're supposed to make disciples. A disciple is just someone who wants to be exactly like their teacher. Jesus is our teacher. is his disciples. We just want to be exactly like him. So if we're making contact with people, teaching them what we already know and teaching them to be like Jesus and then they're called to do the same thing, imagine the impact. So I think it's right for us to understand the nativity story is about God making contact to have an impact and that story is our story as well. And that's what we're supposed to do. Make contact so we can have an impact. I start thinking about who are we supposed to be in contact with? This is one of those easy ones where I'm going to list off a few people and you're going to be like, yeah, I know that. But if I don't say it, it might just go over our head and we might not really think about it. And as I list off some of these people, if one of them stands out to you, that could be the Holy Spirit saying to you, I want you to make contact with that person in your life. Some of the different people that we could have contact with would be students. If you're a teacher in any capacity, your students might be who you're supposed to be in contact with. If you're a student here, your teachers might be who you're supposed to make contact with or the people who work in your cafeteria. If you're an employee, maybe your boss is the one you're supposed to be making contact with. If you're a boss, maybe it's your employee. If you're self-employed, it might be the clients that you're taking care of. 
Maybe it's the bank teller you see. Maybe it's the cashier you see at the store you're at. Maybe it's your coach. Maybe it's your lifting buddy. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's the people that are in this room with you. The Holy Spirit is going to bring people into your life that you're supposed to have contact with. Let's not miss those opportunities. What do I do, though? How do I make impact in their life? I love giving people ideas on how to do that. One idea might be to pray. Somebody says to you, they're having a tough time, and they say, would you say, would you pray with me or for me about that? And you say, yes. Well, then really do it. Your prayers are going to impact their life. Scripture says the prayers of a righteous person, meaning the prayers of a Christian, are powerful. God listens to his kids, and we're his kids. And so when we ask for something, he listens. Pray for that person right there on the spot. Pray for the person that pops into your mind that you're not sure why they popped into your mind, but maybe the Holy Spirit popped them into your mind because you're supposed to pray for them and lift something up to God for that person, even if you don't know what it is you're praying for. Maybe showing up for somebody when they're having a tough time and you even think to yourself, well, I don't know how I'm going to fix this situation. I'm not qualified to fix it. I don't know how. Well, maybe you're not called to fix it. Maybe you're called just to be there and to show up and to physically be with that person. And you don't even say anything, but being with them is the impact God is trying to make. Maybe there's times where there actually is something to do and you need to lend a hand and somebody asks for help or you hear that they need help and showing up to help them could be a big impact in their life. Maybe giving money. I know I don't give money easily. It's just not in me, but there's times that I need to. And I need to remember this is an impact I can make in somebody's life. Being kind and patient and showing some self-control, especially this time of the year when you're standing in the long lines and you got to get to the second store to get what you need because you've been putting it off, right? And you start getting anxious and you start losing your patience. Why doesn't this store have more cashiers? Why is the store so long? Why is that person, you know, show some patience, That could have an impact on the people you're standing in line with. Instead of them hearing you complain about something, maybe they hear a Thanksgiving that you have or something else. And maybe that could be the type of impact you have on somebody. Maybe we as Christians just need to walk the talk. A lot of people know what Jesus says and what God stands for, but maybe they never get to see love in action. And maybe that's what we need to do. Here's a good one. Maybe we need to ask for forgiveness. Imagine the impact we could have on somebody's life if you go up to that person that you've wronged, maybe in a big way or a small way, and you say to them, hey, I am totally sorry for what I did. It was, I was being selfish. I wasn't thinking. I put myself before you. I am really sorry. Would you please forgive me? Can you imagine the impact that might have on somebody's life? Or maybe you need to give forgiveness That could be somebody in here right now. You're thinking of somebody that's wronged you and they've said they're sorry and you need to say to them, yeah, that really hurt me. That messed me up inside. But I'm willing to forgive you and I want to forgive you. Or maybe there's somebody and they haven't asked for forgiveness yet, but you're willing to extend it to them because, hey, that's what God did for us. 
They don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve it, but God gave it to us. Maybe you giving it to somebody else could impact them. I love hearing how stories play out in real life, this idea of making contact and having an impact. Let me share just a couple with you. These are great. There's this one from this student that I ran into not too long ago. She's a young lady now, but she went through our youth program and I knew her very well. And I was talking with her about this idea of this sermon that I was preparing and this idea of making contact and having an impact. And I said, did any of our leaders and youth group, any of our sponsors ever make contact with you in a way that impacted your life? And, and she thought about it and she had a few, oh, I got a few stories and she said, oh, but this one really comes to mind. She says, my senior year in high school, I was on the basketball team. And after a few games into the season, a sponsor, this same sponsor, this one sponsor, um, I noticed them coming to my games and they'd come down after the game and they'd talk to me and that kind of thing. And that was really cool. And I really appreciate that. And then I noticed as the year went on, this sponsor kept showing up at every one of my games, even my away games. This sponsor came to every one of my games my senior year. And she told me, she reminded me, I didn't even start. And there were some games I didn't even play. I sat on the bench. But this sponsor came to every game and just watched. And at the end of the season, they gave me this box. And, uh, and in the box were like some clippings of, of some of the, the articles from the newspaper of, of, uh, of our games and some pictures of us at the games and that kind of stuff. And she said the sponsor even knew that I would tape a lucky penny on my ankle before every game. And there was a penny in the box, too. And I was like, okay, that sponsor was definitely making contact with you. Did it have any kind of an impact? Like, like what did that mean to you? And she's like, oh, it meant a lot. I knew that sponsor loved me. The sponsor's representing God, so I knew God loved me. And if God was here, he would do the same thing that sponsor was doing. I knew my church family loved me. I know that my sponsor, my church family, and my youth group, and God valued the things I valued and was passionate about the things I was passionate about, even if it's something kind of silly like basketball. And what's really cool now is this kid's grown. She went through college. She's got a job. She's a teacher. There's dozens of students that she is seeing every day that she is now in contact with and impacting. Let me share one more with you. It's about my wife. And this is, just goes to show how you never know what kind of impact you're having. She met a couple, an elderly couple at a Starbucks at the Target she frequents. She's in line right? She's in line. This couple is in line with her. She makes contact with them. She starts talking with them. My wife frequents this target. Apparently this couple does as well. And she sees them again at Starbucks and she sees them again and again and again. And whenever she sees them, she makes contact with them. One day the husband is there. My wife makes contact with him and he says, hey, where's your wife? And he says, well, it's not going real good. She's really sick right now. Actually, She's dying. She's in hospice. But she would love to see you because you've made such an impact on us. My wife is thinking, what kind of impact could I have made? We just see each other in line at Starbucks. But that's where God takes these small contacts that we have with people, just like the nativity, small. But it turns into these really big, impactful things in our lives. So for those of you out there that haven't been impacted by God yet, I really pray that this season he opens up your eyes and he starts to impact your heart and you realize how much he loves you. 
For those of you in here that have been impacted by God and that you're following Jesus, I hope he opens up your eyes to people this season and into the next year that he wants to have an impact on. But he needs you to impact for him. Don't miss those opportunities. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.